Life is like a river, overcoming adversity by continuing to move forward. We back, baby. I try to come in on beat. Anyway, what's going on, world? Y'all know how we do every Monday podcast day. I got a special one lined up for y'all this week. We gonna be tackling the issue of fear with my man Maxwell Ivy from the blondeblogger.net. Blondeblogger.net, yeah, you heard me right. So we really waxing deep on excuses. We also gonna be talking about facing fears, success, mindset, personal development, a lot of good stuff. So I hope you got your pen and pad ready. It's a couple jokes here and there as well. So we want y'all to kick back, listen up, and have a good time. Maxwell Ivy, blindblogger.net, from Hood to Good. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah, what's going on, world? We back with another From Hood to Good episode. It's your boy, Ronnie Jacks, holding down each and every day. Y'all know how we do. I got a special guest lined up for you guys today. I'm real excited about that. And today we are going to... um. We're going to dive into excuses. You know, I like I, I, a lot of you guys are emailing me and stuff, you know, having these challenges, but we're going to get rid of all that. We're going to kill that noise. And I got today with me um, a gentleman who I'm very excited to have. You could Google him. He's making a heavy impact, um, overcoming adversity, facing fears, uh, publishing, all, all kinds of things that you wouldn't even believe were possible. So I need you guys to stop those excuses and make sure you check into today. We got Maxwell Ivy on the line. Thank you, Maxwell. Thank you for joining us. How you feeling today? I'm doing good. How you doing, Ronnie? Man, man, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. I'm I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for joining us, you know? I'm very happy to be here and uh you know, I always appreciate a great introduction, and uh, and whenever I hear people like you talk about me, I'm like, man, I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what's crazy when you become that guy, and yeah. un- unexpectedly, I-, I believe it's just a matter of um, following your heart, sticking to your gifts, sticking to what comes natural, and just doing doing what you like, doing the things you're passionate about, and you know the world. Thanks you uh, for, 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 you know, just following the following your path. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. That's, uh, you know, I, I'm known. Uh, a lot of people know that I love to sing uh, for a few years now. My theme song has been The River by Garth Brooks. And it's one of those songs that got into my head in 1993. And it stayed there because it really is an expression of the way that uh, I have be- gotten to where I am now and become the person I am now. It's, you know, a lot of this was not planned or expected but just continuing to follow the path, as you just mentioned. Right, right. So Maxwell, um, or Max. As, it's know, Max, we, yeah. We, we're friends now, so it's Max, definitely. <laughs> so Max, let's go into, can you give us some of the background? Like, how did your whole entire story come about? Um, I don't want to ruin, um, I don't, I don't want to, like, water it down. I would do it less of a, a service if I explain it. I would like to hear it straight from yourself. Like, can you tell us the beginning and how everything came about? 
Yeah, I don't buy this for one second that you would make it seem less than it is because you just seem to have a a storyteller's uh, uh, attitude or or aura around you. I, I we wouldn't use the same words, but I think you'd make it sound just as good, if not better. So, um, I am a totally blind gentleman. I grew up in a family of carnival owners, and all I really wanted to do was work in the family business and continue it. I also grew up knowing that eventually I would lose most, if not all, of my vision to retinitis pigmentosa. Uh, but you know, thanks to uh, good teachers in school, uh, positive influences from my family, uh, the imp- impact of being part of a scout troop for visually impaired young boys, and a lot of other influences. I, uh, you know, graduated from a traditional high school and college. I'm one of the few legally blind Eagle Scouts. Uh, was lucky enough to help run the business alongside my dad for over 15 years before he passed away to lung cancer. At that time, we weren't really ready to run the business on our own, but we kept it going for three or four years before uh, we finally had to admit that we weren't going to be able to keep it going. So we uh, we sold our rides and joined up with my uncle's carnival. And there really wasn't a role for me on my uncle's midway. So realizing that I needed to have something to do that was, you know, something I could be passionate and curious about again. And also at that time, having a health emergency that caused me to address my mortality and to start improving my health. Uh, These things all came together at one time where I started the Midway Marketplace, which is a website where I help people buy, sell, and trade new and used amusement equipment from around the world. And in order to do that, I had to learn a whole bunch of new things. I had to teach myself how to code HTML to get my website online. Uh, I started back before WordPress, before Wi-Fi, and before Facebook. And, you know, I had to recruit clients and set fees and write the ad copy and manage media. I had to do so many new things that people, you know, as social media came along, people started to notice what I was doing. I said, you know, Max, we're very inspired by the way you take on these new challenges, and we want to hear more. We want to hear more of what it's like to be an entrepreneur who happens to be blind. So I started the blindblogger.net, my second website, where I share the stories, the experiences, and the life lessons people can take from what I've gone through. I also have uh, since published four books. I'm working on a fifth one. I've traveled the country solo. I've sung in public. I've done public speaking. I've been on hundreds of podcasts and radio shows. I created a course to teach people how to be podcast guests. I I now book people on podcasts and radio shows and other online opportunities. Uh, I eventually launched my own podcast called What's Your Excuse, where I interview people who have overcome adversity and people to help y'all get rid of your own excuses. And in the last few months, I'm in the process of launching a podcast network, also under the What's Your Excuse name, to help other people with disabilities start their own podcasts and either use those podcasts to create a business or to accumulate some new skills, to build up their self-esteem, and to have that help them go after a traditional job. So lots of stuff going on. I'm still not where I want to be. I've still got a lot of growing to do. I'm still at that stage where, you know, this is who I'm going to be when I grow up. But in the meantime, I shared all the good, the bad, the ugly, the embarrassing, the stuff other people would hide from you. It's all out there because I believe that uh, it's from 
my uh, my disappointments, my setbacks, and my failures, and how I live with them. That is the most important lesson I could share with people. Mm. Now, Max, you just ran through a whole lot of info, and I want to encourage you from Hood to Good listeners to check out the Westia Excuse Show. It's a podcast. Um, we want to get rid of those excuses, you guys. That's the reason why Max is here to let you know is no reason why you can't live up to your expectations and beyond that. And also check out the blindblogger.net, you know, two websites that uh, Max has rocking right now for you guys. So check them out if you're intrigued just from the intro, but we're going to continue. Max, how do you do it? Like, how does someone who you would expect to just throw in the towel or just go on um, a, a government funding and just 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 give up, you know. Like, how do you make? How do you? How do you do? You know, there uh, a lot of the time I really don't know how I do it, but I think there are two really important ingredients. And oh, by the way, I'm sorry about the long introduction. I'm working on that. Um, <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I sometimes think I go on too long. Um, okay, but the. All right. One one really important ingredient, and if and people, I hope you caught it, is curiosity. You know, to me, when something when I when there when I can't do something, you know, my my first instinct isn't well. I can't do it. You know, I'm going to go on to something else, or I can't do it. I'm just not going to be able to to accomplish what I have in mind this time. My thought is, okay, I can't do it. Well, you know, why? What are the other possibilities? Are there solutions available and in many cases there are solutions but here's the problem we all most of us know what we need to be doing you know we know what the answer to that excuse is problem is is the solution is not always fun you know a lot of times in order to make progress you have to decide okay i hate doing what i'm going to have to do here i'm not talking about stuff that's illegal or unethical it's just just not enjoyable it's like i've i know i'm not going to like doing this but if it's the only option you have in order to get from where you're at now to where you're going to be next, then you have to do stuff that's dirty, greasy, nasty, that doesn't make you look good at the time, but you do it. You know, um, when I started my first website, I had to learn how to code HTML because as a blind person, using a what you see is what you get option was not possible. Well, I bet you there probably aren't one out of 100 people who would figure out all the less thans and greater thans and slashes and periods and all that junk in order to get a website on. I mean, nowadays you wouldn't have to, but if that's your only option, you know, if you don't have the money to hire somebody, you don't have the talent or the skills or the equipment, and your only option is something that's long, tedious, boring, and that you don't like doing, you know, your two choices are to stay stuck or to do stuff you hate. So I like to tell people, I tell young people all the time, if you can find something other people hate doing that you enjoy doing, you'll never lack for work. You know, so curiosity is a big part of it. The other part of it is, is, is you know, I, I have so many great examples in my life. Uh, I spent, you know, 15 years with my family's carnival. I've, most of my life, I've had some activity in the carnival business, even when I was in school. And in the carnival business, you learn from an early age, either directly or by implication, that nobody cares a thing about you. They don't care if you have a truck on the side of the road or a generator that ain't ginning, as we used to say. 
All they want to know is on Thursday or Friday night, can they buy a funnel cake and ride to tilt the world? That's all they want to know. And if you can't do that, then you fail. So, you know, having this whole uh, mindset of possibilities of uh, determination, resilience of, you know, somehow, some way you've got to get open, which means somehow, some way you've got to get to next week, next month, tomorrow, the next step on the path towards your ultimate goal. And so those, those are two things that, you know, I have a history in, but, you know, curiosity, that's something if, you know, you probably have it, but you've probably lost it along the way. So think about the things that you are either already passionate about or that in the, in the past you thought, I'd like to know more about that, or I'd like to try doing that. And then use your curiosity as fuel, because I, I firmly believe that when passion fails you, curiosity can carry you through. And then the other part of it is, is to have a habit or a background of finding solutions. And, you know, that's something I have because I've been doing it all my life, but it's something anybody can cultivate. They just have to, uh, they have to have a process and they have to use that process. And in the beginning, they will have to think about it and actually work through the steps and make a list. But as they get better and better at finding solutions, they won't have to think so much. It'll become part of their, their DNA. And if, if you would like me to, I can even share what I call my four questions method for, uh, for accomplishing a goal and for finding those solutions. Mm, absolutely. That sounds like something. Um, well, information, you know, is, is, is best when it's applied. So yeah, bless <laughs> us with, with the four, the four questions. Matthew. All right. Okay. Okay. So when you go to accomplish a big goal, you know, quite often people are discouraged because it seems like a long way between here and there. And it probably is and will be. So what I tell people to do is um, I'm going to tell you to do something and I'm going to tell you to not think about it. So try to follow me. What you want to do is first decide what your goal is and make sure it's your goal and not somebody else's goal. Make sure you're chasing your personal dream. Second thing is make sure that you decide what success looks like as far as accomplishing your goal, because everybody has a different measure of success. Some people as a podcaster want to be Joe Rogan and other people as a podcaster, they want to have, a, they want to have some re reliable, regular listeners and they want to change a life or two along the way. So decide what success looks like to you. But once you've decided on the goal, you want to make a list of everything that you will need to do, to have, or to accomplish to complete that goal. and Put it all on one piece of paper or maybe two pieces of paper. Just write it all down. And you want to take each item on that list and ask these questions. First, can I do this? And if it's something you can do, then take action on it immediately. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Don't ask your brother about it. Uh, just go ahead and do it right away. If you can't do it, then can you learn how to do it? And if you think you can learn how to do it, then you, you, know, you reach out to a mentor or you sign up for a college course. You subscribe to a podcast like from, you know, Hood to Good. Um, you do whatever it is that you think will help you learn what you need to to accomplish your big goal. All right. If you can't do it and you can't learn how to do it, can you get somebody else to do it? And when I say somebody else doing it, I don't mean hiring them. I don't mean going on Fiverr. Those are options. But I mean, can you ask a friend, a family member, a coworker, an acquaintance? Is there somebody in your social media community who's offered to help and you've always thought they were just being polite and you ignored them? So 
Uh, are there people who you can do things that they need and you can exchange services and get them to do something that you need without you having to part with cash? There's lots of different ways to get somebody to do something for you. All right. And if you can, if you can get somebody to do it, then ask them. Send the email, make the phone call, meet them for coffee, whatever, so that you can ask them, you can, you can get them to help you or do it for you. All right. If you can't do it and you can't learn how to do it and you can't farm it out to somebody else, then put it off to the side and ignore it for now. Focus on the things you can actually do something about. And don't think about that stuff over there that you don't have uh, anything to do with for right now. And as you start down your path towards your big goal, you're going to grow as a person. You're going to accumulate new skills. You're going to find things out about yourself that you never knew before because you never really talked to yourself before. And so as you go along, some of these things that you know you have down as need to learn, there'll be things you could do. And some of the things you have down as you, know, you have to ignore will be things you can learn how to do. Or get. So as you continue to go towards your big goal, those things off to that side that I'm telling you to ignore for now, you can be able to move them over to the other category. So can you do it? If you can do it, take action. If you can't do it, can you learn how? If you can learn how, take action. If you can't do it or learn it, get somebody to do it for you. And if you can't do it, learn it or farm it out, then just ignore it and focus on the things you can do something about for right now. Awesome. Yeah, this, that's yeah, that's some good stuff right there. Now, I'm I'm taking the um the four questions to ask yourself, you know, as well as what you mentioned earlier as, as far as staying solution oriented. Um yeah. and, and and yeah. But one thing I, I find it common that a lot of a lot of people just don't have the courage uh, to ask for help, <laughs> you know. So, like, what what are some practices? I heard you mention. I heard you See, mention. I love it. I love where you, I love where you're going because this is the number one thing I get asked to talk about or that I get interviewed about, and that is the idea of asking for help. So we'll talk about it. And I like to say there are three parts to this: there's asking for help, there's accepting help, and there's showing gratitude. All right, now. For most people, asking for help is very difficult because they feel like it makes them look bad. You know, they think that people are going to look down on them if they ask for help. When in fact, we're not meant to do important work by ourselves. Uh, we can accomplish big goals much more quickly if we ask for help and let people be part of our story. But more importantly, it will allow us to have more joy as we are working towards our goals if we'll let other people help us out. But yeah, most people there are afraid. They don't want to look bad. They don't look stupid. And so they re resist asking for help. And of course, I have an advantage. I call it one of my superpowers because I was, knowing that I was going to eventually lose my vision, I was raised to know, Max, don't ever be afraid to ask for help. One, you need their help. And two, people will want to help you. And that part is really important. I like to say this. I will say this next one twice because it's very important. It's an expression I've come up with to help people overcome their fear of asking for help. And basically, it involves putting the focus on the other person and not thinking so much of yourself. And it goes like this. When you refuse to ask for help, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. And I'm going to say it again because this is one of the most important things I share with people. When you refuse to ask for help, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. Because you see, people, they get joy. You know, somebody that's spent a lifetime uh, accumulating knowledge, 
practicing a skill or honing a talent, they spend a lot of their day thinking, you know, I've really invested a lot of my time in this. Just imagine how good they would feel if you came along and you said, hey, I know you're the expert on this stuff. I'm really struggling. Uh, if I could get some help with this, it would allow me to accomplish this goal in my life. Uh, I know you're the expert. Would you please just help me? So that's the most important part is think about the other person. Focus on how good it makes you feel when you do something nice for somebody else. And think about how good you're going to make them feel when you appreciate all the time they've invested. Mm, that that actually um, goes into what I was um, sharing with, with, with my audience a, a, a couple months back as far as you kind of, um, there's, there is some like uh, gratification when w w that comes with helping other people. So I, I um, thank you for that. You know, right. I appreciate that. And so, so well, I, well, I, I appreciate that. And I, I'm actually um, kind of blown away that we were talking about some of the same things, you know, just a few months apart. Um, now, the, you know, I told you it's hard for people to ask for help. But the thing that's even harder for people is to accept help when somebody else offers it. Mm. Because then the whole, then the response is even worse. It's like, who the heck do they think they are? You know, I don't need anybody's help, and I sure don't need their help. They should take themselves off and go help somebody who really needs it. You know, you know the attitude I'm thinking of, right? I mean, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, so so in this case, you know, you need to remember two things. One, it takes more courage for them to offer to help you than it takes for you to ask. So if you don't want their help, at least be polite about it. But you can also be thankful that they offered and maybe do some uh, some self uh, assessment. You know, talk to yourself about it and see if maybe they, the help they're offering would be uh, beneficial to you. The other thing that you that you need to do is remember that we don't always ask by making a phone call or having a conversation or sending an email. Because when we pray, we ask. For people who use the law of attraction, when they think about it, they ask. When you're meditating. And then there's a group of people out there in the world. I don't know what the percentage is. But there are people who are very sensitive and what's called intuitive. And if you're, you may be writing stuff in emails or on social media posts or on your blog, or you may be saying it during your podcast where, you know, you're asking for help. You don't know that you're asking, but they're hearing that you're struggling. And they're like, this person needs help with this. I'm going to offer to help. Them. And I mean, Quite often, you just don't realize how much of yourself you're revealing to other people, you know, especially those people that are just great listeners. You know, they pay attention. So quite often we ask. We don't realize that we're asking. We don't think anybody's noticing or hearing us, but it's seeking out. It's kind of like that moment in the movie where the guy is talking and talking. He goes, oh, wait a minute. I just did. I, I didn't say that out loud. Did I? You know, <laughs> it's kind of like that with our emotions. We often. Often things, you know, kind of seep through where we don't, you know, come out and say them out loud. But, you know, people notice. And usually the kind of people that notice are the kind of people who like to help others. So that's accepting help when it's offered. And please remember, it takes them more courage to offer than it would have taken you to ask. And then third, the most important part is gratitude. And when I say gratitude, I don't mean just saying thank you. To me, if somebody gives you information, inspiration, motivation, they give you your time, their time, 
then you thank them by acting upon it. You know, absolutely. To me, that's the most important thing. You act on it. You let them know either directly or or indirectly that you acted on it. You let them know how it affected you. And like I say, you do that directly, or you can do that through a social media post or through, you know, a message to your email list, or you can do it in a book. Um, in one of my, in my first book, Leading You Out of the Darkness Into the Light, A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success, I thank one of my cousins for being responsible for me not being in the carnival business anymore. But I thanked him in the book because I wanted I wanted to get it out there in the world that I appreciated it because when that door closed, you know, I was able to get physically healthy. I was able to start my own business and start doing something. You know, I didn't travel, which meant, you know, I wasn't dragging my body around the country in trucks and trailers 40 something weeks out of the year. So a lot of good things happened because I was no longer on my uncle's midway. So, you know, but when people do nice things for you, when they answer your questions or solve your problems, you have to show the gratitude and you have to do it in ways other than just saying thank you. Absolutely. No question about that. Yeah. That gratitude, man, <laughs> is, a, is a big part of it. Now, also, Max, um, something else that I'm just curious about, because I try to remind people that it's the things that um, that a lot of a lot of people may look at as a setback or a flaw, you know, that that whole comparison trap a lot of people get caught into. And I try to remind them that, um, listen, that thing that you think is a flaw, that unique thing about you, that is actually your superpower. So, Max, I'm super, super curious. Uh, how like has your vision loss actually become an asset? Like how like what are some of the ways you right. use that yeah, right. to, for your benefit? Right. Well, we've already talked about one. It gave me the ability to ask for help when, in a way that a lot of other people won't even after they hear us talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the most important thing it did for me is, is I have RP, which means I didn't lose my vision all at once. I lost it gradually from uh, started losing it when I was four or five, went gradually until I entered junior high school. Uh, at that point, I was legally blind and had to start using a white cane and, and began learning to read Braille. So. Um, because my vision changed gradually over the course of years, my vision was never the same from one month to the next sometimes. So I had to constantly adapt to new ways to say, you know, doing school homework, for example. So in a short period of time, uh, well, maybe, you know, over a few years, I went from being able to read a regular print textbook in a dark room to having to have uh, a lot of light to having to have a magnifying glass, to using a closed circuit TV to project the page up on a screen, to eventually switching to audio and braille. So it really had taught, has taught me adaptability and flexibility. And when I talk to employers about, uh, about hiring people with disabilities, one of the things I always like to talk to them about is how we have no choice but to learn how to find creative solutions. You know, it's one of those things you learn over the course of time because, you know, whether you're the one coming up with the ideas or whether it's your teachers or your family members coming up, you know, you, you have to be adaptable and flexible and you have to find uh, new solutions. And then another thing I think my blindness now really helps me with is I think that uh, I see people in a way that uh, other people, you know, don't see people. I, 
Uh, I'm not going to say that I'm 100% this way, but there's a, there's a phrase in the Bible in Samuel where, where he talks about how God sees people for, through their hearts. Mm, Dave, that David piece. Yeah, I was talking about yeah. that earlier. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Second, I think it's in I think it's in Second Samuel, and and it's one of my favorite verses because a lot of people say, you know, Max, he may not be able to see with his eyes, but he, but he sees he he sees things other people miss, and he shows the rest of us things we can't see because we have vision, you know. So I like to think about that. You know, I mentioned before we officially started this show that I've over the years I've come to believe that you meet the people you expect to meet, and as a result, I generally have better meetings. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into politics, but a, uh, a year or so ago, there was a study done where they said that if you could get um, people to look at somebody's, somebody's face instead of their hands or the rest of their body, that your opinion of them changes. So I get to see people in a way most people never will, because I'm generally going off of the sound of their voice do they do they come across as friendly um and you know what is in their heart what uh what kind of what kind of people are they you know are they the kind of person who wants to be helpful and supportive of others or they're the kind of person who you know is pretty much given up all they want to do is drag everybody else down with them so <laughs> i think that's a big i think that's a big part of my success and recently i was interviewing a uh a blind guy from my podcast, and he was telling me that as, as a public speaker, he's, he said, you know, it's really great when you can't see the audience, he said, because it's a lot easier to avoid the nerves. And, and he pointed out that you don't have to worry about looking back into the bright lights. And, and you know, it's just one of those kind of fun things, you know, advantages of being blind. And uh, there's a post on my website of uh, the 14 advantages to being blind. And a couple of them are that nobody will ever ask me to help them move. And, 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 you know, not that I have one at the moment, but your girlfriend will never ask you what you think of her dress. So, and here's my, here's my favorite one. I came up with this one recently. Um, is it, when if somebody who has as little vision as I do, if, if somebody like me goes to the beach, I can't see the women in the swimsuits, but I also can't see the women who shouldn't be wearing swimsuits. You know, uh, I can't see the bikinis, but I can't see the women who are making bad choices, you know? <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. And you guys can, check, uh, just a reminder, check it out at theblindblogger.net. <laughs> Max, man, this, I'm having a lot of fun here. I just want to know, because you got me over here cracking up. And, you know, I know, um, I mean, this is coming. I, I have vision. You know, I, I, I can see, thank God for that. Uh, yeah. I'm not, you know, um, you know, taking that for granted or anything like that. But I, I, I just believe that a lot of people would, um, in your shoes, like who, who were able to see in the beginning and as it gradually decreased would have, would have gotten, um, like, uh, the, the woe is me kind of story. So how, like, how did you keep that upbeat energy? What did it take time? Was there ever like a stage where you were like, Oh man, you know, this is sad. Like, can you, can you walk? <laughs> oh, there's, yeah, there've been a there've been a few you know moments or hours along the way, but I never have have had to deal with the depression that some of the other people with vision loss or other disabilities have have written about. And I think it all really starts with uh, with your schools. And 
I hate to say this because people are going to think it's political, but this is just the honest truth. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., the, the quality of the school you go to depends on how much money they have to spend. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to a district in an affluent area, they're going to have more resources usually. And if you go if you go to a school that's in the middle of an urban area, now a lot of places they're working hard on that. But in my case, my family lived in a suburb out in the true outskirts of Houston back when uh, where we lived was still farm country for a lot of places, you know, right around where we were. Um, the school district, while we weren't, you know, rich, the district we lived in had a lot of people who were. So, you know, we had special education teachers who didn't just want to you know, to hold your hand until you graduated. They actually wanted to see you learn something and figure out how to learn stuff for yourself and how to find, you know, solutions so that you could succeed in the classroom. We had orientation and mobility instructors and Braille teachers. You know, we had, uh, I think we even had a transcriptionist in the district, if not in the school. So, you know, that's a big advantage when you, you know, because there's, there are, you know, several places when you're growing up where, it all comes down to you. Do you feel like the other kids? And school was a big part of that. So, you know, for the most part, I was very lucky. Um, there were some times where, you know, the games in the schoolyard, I wasn't great at, but that was more because I was just a big, fat, clumsy kid than because of my vision. So, uh, but yeah, the, the the schooling, the family I grew up in, uh, lots, of nep- lots of cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, um, it's funny that, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, this whole expression of it takes a village has, has become popular. And, you know, I, I think our family was, uh, at some, at some times a day was an island among of its, of its own, you know, kind of separate because, uh, I would say, let's see, my grand, my grandmother had six kids. So there was probably 15 or 20 of us, Ivies and Waggers. Other and others from that family. So, you know, when you were at school, you weren't there by yourself. And I, I really do think that's a big part of it. And I think that if you're, you know, if you if you have a disability or if you have a mental illness, it really helps if you are in a in a in a quality school that knows what knows how to help. <clears throat> um it helps if you can find support groups and uh clubs or organizations where you feel like the you know, the other kids or the other uh, grown adults, you know, just this last week, I was involved in a vocational training program called the DFW Daydream Summer, Summer Experience, where uh, Chelsea Nguyen, my stylist, and me and some other people were uh, preparing these high school kids to go out this summer and get their first job. And and the one thing I made me feel really good about that is, is every time I posted about it on social media, I ended with, I said, you know, when these kids go to these jobs, they're going to fe- they're going to be like every other teenager in America. You know, they're going to have that first summer job where they have a little money in their pocket and they feel like they're on the way to being a, you know, adults or whatever. So, anytime you can make somebody that's visually impaired or has some other disability feel like they're just like everybody else, that's a big deal. And so that was really really satisfying. And so yeah, it's a uh, it's you know it's your family, your school your teachers, your organizations. And just like I tell people, if you, you know, when I talk to them about having a supportive online community to help you during the hard times, which, which I've been blessed to accumulate a lot of great people along, along the way on my journey, 
if you don't have those things right now, then you should be looking for them. You know, you should be reaching out to individuals or organizations. And I also like to mention, at least for people online that are, you know, trying to overcome those excuses or they're trying to, to actually make some progress toward their, their own personal goals. You know, I have a contact form on my website. So if you don't have at least one supportive, encouraging person in your community, then you could start with me or you could just continue to complain about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because I was just speaking to a young lady um, and the, like the, the importance of the people around you. You know, if, if I forgot who said it at the moment right now, but it's like if you hang out with four uh, they said broke friends, but in this case, I would just say uh, if you hang out with four depressed friends, you'll be the fifth one. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and- yeah, and you, you, you know, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Is a very famous book, but you know, here's another one: if you uh, if you walk with if you walk with stupid people, you will be destroyed. If you walk mm. with the wise, you will be wise. I got that backwards. It's 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 written in the other order in the Bible, but I mean, is uh. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell my friends this all the time. I, you know, if, you know, if uh, God and Jesus, they ever get themselves a trademark lawyer, we all going to be in trouble. Mm. You know, because mm. so many of the most important things we do have been written multiple times. And as I, I mentioned a little earlier, a lot of these things we need to be doing, we know what they are, but, you know, doing them and doing them in spite of the fact that we don't enjoy doing them. That's the hard part, you know. And there have been lots of there have been lots of times during my journey I've been, man, I really hate doing this. But if I don't do it at this point, nobody else is gonna do it. And if I don't do it, I can't get to where I need to go next. So, you know, um, back in the day when we had a carnival, there were weeks that I had to set up and take down rides with the rest of the family. And, you know, there are places on me that probably still got grease on them, you know, but did I enjoy <laughs> doing it? You know, did I want to have heavy pig iron in my hands and, you know, 90 something degree weather in Houston in, in August? No. But if, you know, we had to get open, you know, did did I like setting up till three o'clock in the morning, writing code one line at a time for my website? Heck no. But if I didn't do that, people wouldn't have been able to find out about my website or the ride I was trying to sell. And I couldn't have made no money. So, you know, really, a lot of times with excuses, it comes down to, OK, the excuse can be more comfortable than what it'll take to overcome the excuse. And mm. I'm not going to lie to y'all. This ain't easy. Especially ain't easy when you start doing it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you'll do it, if you'll ask for help, if you'll celebrate your accomplishments, if you'll show gratitude when you, when you make a, a step forward, if you'll do these kinds of things and make them a habit, then eventually you'll start to get there. So, you know, slow at first, little by little by little, but then eventually you're going to pick up speed because you're going to feel more confident. You're going to see things about yourself that you that you didn't realize before. You know, I started 14 years ago by filing for a domain name, not knowing how I was going to build the website that went with it. You know, I've built a website, a blog, I've written books, but every time I did something, it was something I had never done before. It was something I had no clue how I was going to do it. It was something I had to ask other people. How do I do this? And can you help me do it? I did the same things I'm telling y'all to do. There were Mm. nights I didn't enjoy doing it either. But it's one of those things, the more you do it, the better you get at it. You know, um, a lot of people talk about, you know, Max, you're really positive. You don't always seem like you have a smile and nothing ever bothers you. And well, 
yeah, stuff bothers me. But I've got over 35 years of experience of landing on my backside, looking up at where the sky is supposed to be, literally and figuratively. And I've gotten really good at finding the positive after I experienced the negative. So, again, these things I'm telling you, these things that Ronnie has told you, these things his other guests have told you, they work. The problem is they don't work right away. They won't help you with a problem you're having this week, but they will help you if you still have that same problem next month. They take effort, they take practice, they take repetition, and they take a system. So in the beginning, make lists. In the beginning, instead of just thinking about it in your mind or talking about it out loud, out loud, get a piece of paper and a pen and write this stuff down. You know, in the beginning, have a system and go through it step by step by step. Once you do it enough times, then you will develop a routine. And like, you know, just like with me, when the next setback comes and we know there's going to be another setback, don't we, Ronnie? Mm, absolutely, you know? yeah. That's the way life works. You don't, you know, you don't never get to the point where you win and it's over, except that maybe it's your funeral and you're not around for that. That's other people. <laughs> I mean, you just, so there's going to be another setback. There's going to be another failure. There's going to be something I try that doesn't turn out like I want it to. So, uh, but because I have experience and practice and a process that has become part of who I am, I'm not really worried about that next setback, you know? I know it's going to come. I know when it happens, I'll feel like crap. And then I'll do what I do to find the positive and move on. But none of this stuff is easy. And I really wish more, quote, coaches, quote, gurus, quote, mentors would just be honest with people and go, hey, the stuff works, but it ain't easy. It's going to take a while before you get good at it. No doubt. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that you, like, mentioned um well <laughs> man max i'm I'm just excited man i'm like my my thoughts are kind of running away from me at the moment <laughs> but I, well hey I, we I, we do we do random on what's your excuse and we can do random on who you're good so we'll just yes. just let it out there man what do you think yeah i want to take this opportunity to really um dive into eliminating excuses for our listeners because i think that's so important a lot of people say, I need this to start. I need this to start. And you said you just started with um, the website without even having a clue of how you were going to build it. You say, this is a step. I'm going to take this step. I mean, I, I even see people say, I can't start my business until I get a logo. I, and <laughs> on the flip side, I've seen people write a logo down. Me, for example, if you see the From Hood to Good logo, I mean, I made it myself. That's a, <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I got, you know, I got a great story. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about this uh, whole, you're talking about this whole perfectionism thing that until it's good enough, I can't put myself out into the world. I can't release my website or my podcast or my blog or my book, because it ain't never going to be good enough. That's what we're talking about, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, help so with the eliminating the excuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's so here's the problem. I'm I'm going to help you out with with a couple of things here. First, it ain't never going to be good enough. Okay, let's just accept the fact that you, that none of us are ever going to be good enough. And I say that with all sincerity. One of my favorite sixty minutes ever interviews ever was with Sir Paul McCartney. And he said that however old he is now, and this is a guy who was with the Beatles, who founded Wings, who's been around the world. He's done it all as a musician. 
he says he still doesn't believe he's good enough. So for most, so you're never, it's never going to be good enough. So since it ain't never going to be good enough, why not go ahead and put it out in the world now? Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying to purposely publish crap, but I am saying that, you know, people need to get past this whole of it's not good enough because it's not as good as somebody else's website or it's not as good as the book says it should be or, you know, the tutorial says it should look like this and it don't look like that yet. So I'm not, you know, so we really need to get past that. The other thing is, is that, and this is documented through research from top podcasting platforms. People love to see you grow. Mm. They fall in love with people who they can see go from somebody who doesn't know what the heck they're doing to somebody that's pretty good at it to somebody that's, you know, a rock star at it, you know, and people love to see our mistakes as long as they get to see us recover from our mistakes, as long as they get to see us overcome our mistakes. So I'm going to share a couple of experiences with me, with you that I think are right on point here. When I finally accepted that I could inspire other people and started the blindblogger.net, I wrote a post called, I think I'm ready to be an inspiration. Well, at the time, I was working on two different websites, one to sell amusement equipment and one to sell myself. And I had just taken onto the website, the Midway Marketplace, this gorgeous amusement park train. And the first picture for that train was a picture of the engine. So somehow, instead of the picture of me on my blog, I got the picture of this train engine on my blog under a post titled, I think I'm ready to be an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Now, half the people who saw that post said, Max, you screwed up. The, you put the wrong picture on your blog post. You need to fix that. That's maybe a third of the people. Actually. The other two thirds that saw it are like, man, Max, we remember the little engine that could. We read that book as a kid. I've read that book to my grandkids. What a wonderful metaphor. So this is a mistake on my very first blog post on a brand new website. And did I take it down? No, y'all can go look at the blindblogger.net. It's still up there Mm -hmm. Uh, because people, you know, they have, they have used that as the starting point of their relationship with me online. And they've seen me get better. They've seen me grow. And that's what will make people fall in love with you. It doesn't matter how good or bad your first website is. The important Mm -hmm. thing is, does the website get better? Does the content get better? Does your audience grow? You know, do you become uh, more in tune with what the people that are like you are looking for from you? Do you help more people? So people like to see you grow as a person. Um, My first uh, video that I recorded for the blindblogger.net. Now, uh, I have light perception, which means I can see light, but only if I'm looking directly at where it's supposed to be. So. Nowadays, I turn, the, I hit the light switch while I'm looking at the light fixture just to make sure I'm not recording in the dark. Well, I didn't do that with my first video, and and so I recorded the video. I was really proud of it. I put it up on the website. A third of the people said, "Max, you're sitting in what looks like a dark cave. It's a horrible <laughs> video. You need to re-record it, Max." And the other two thirds are like, "Hey, Max, you know your first book was called Leading You Out of the Darkness. Uh, you're sitting in the dark. You're going to lead us out into the light, right? You know what a wonderful metaphor." So is another example of a mistake I made that turned out to be a great video. And yes, it's still on my YouTube channel. It's still on the website because those mistakes and the reactions people had to them, they not only remind me, but if y'all are paying attention, if you know, if y'all become fans, you're going to realize that Max has never was never, Max didn't start out being who he is now, you know? 
And maybe I have a little more freedom because I, I don't have to see my work. But, you know, for the most part, a lot of it just comes from understanding that people don't expect and they don't even like you to be right the first time. You know, there, there's lots of psychological research that says that if you put out a podcast or a television show or even a blog post that is too produced, too slick, too organized, you know, too has too many of the bells and whistles included, people will be turned off by it because they don't feel like they can connect with you or relate to you. So this whole idea of you're never going to be good enough, why, why would you want to be good enough? I mean, people don't like that. That's not what they gravitate towards. So I would say go ahead and put yourself out there in the world. People are going to, are going to watch your progress. And as long as you're continuing to get better, eventually you're going to have a following. You're going to have people who love your work. And I just have one more story I want to share, mainly because it's it's one of my favorites. And uh, I've told it many times, so I think it's generally a favorite out there in the world. Mm-hmm. When I first when I created my first website at MidwayMarketplace.com, uh, I did pretty good, except when it came to selecting the colors. So when I selected the colors, I went by their names, and I went based on my memory of what of what uh, colors you know, we're, we're, I could remember from back when I could see really good. So I chose yellow for the background because on the Carnival Midway, the toys always look better on yellow than they did on white. And white always seemed to drag draw dirt. So we generally went with yellow. Mm-hmm. And I went with blue for the text and red for the link text and orange for previously clicked link text. Well, I couldn't see the results. So I had no idea what the actual uh, impact was on people visiting this website. Uh, it turned out that the yellow was an ice screaming yellow, the blue was a dark navy, the red was a dark brick, and the orange was a fluorescent orange, like something you'd see on a roadhouse or something. I mean, it was it was a very vivid, colorful website. Plus, uh, since I couldn't really edit the images people would send me, sometimes there'd be two or three different size pictures on the same screen together. So more than once, people said, you know, Max, this website is so bright that Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder could argue over it. I mean, <laughs> it was bad. But what did I do? Did I focus on how bad people were telling me the website was? Did I take the website down? No. Did I spend all my time trying to fix the website? Did I go and change all the colors? No. I left the website the way it was, and I recruited new equipment listings, and I sent emails and made phone calls. and told people to go look at the pictures on the website when I found somebody that was interested. As a result of focusing on just getting my stuff out there into the world, uh, I've sold hundreds of thousands of dollars of used amusement equipment on five continents, and most of it's done when that website was what most people would call hideous to look at. And if y'all don't believe me, you can go to a website called archive.org. And you can look for the Midway Marketplace, midwaymarketplace.com from 2008. But I will, I will warn you, don't look directly into your computer monitor. You know, you might want to put on some sunglasses because um, it's bad, you know, but, we, but I have fun with it. You know, I can, I can think back to those days when, you know, before WordPress and before other people showed up to help me make the website more conventional, more traditional. I just put it out there and it worked. So. I, I hope that, you know, by example, I can teach people, look, you're never going to be good enough. Stop worrying about that and just go ahead and do what you do. Um, continue to grow as a person, as a creator, as a business person, as you go along and everything else will take care of itself. Mm. 
Yeah, I'm I'm loving this, Max. I, I already see. I'm going to enjoy editing this uh, video. <laughs> um, um, and you mean I we're gonna? It. You mean we're gonna edit it? Darn! <laughs> I know. I might even just let the whole thing just ride through the way it is. And um, you know, you know, hey, you know, you speak, you were asking me about excuses. You know, that's uh -huh. one of those things I had to get over because you know all the quote experts say you really have to edit your podcast interviews. You know, you're supposed to record like. So, you know, if you want a 30-minute show, you're supposed to record 45 minutes, and then you're supposed to edit it. You're supposed to have, a, you know, a professional intro and outro. All these things you're supposed to have to have a good podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, if I had done that, I would have never launched a podcast because a lot of those things I wouldn't have been able to do four years ago when I started or five years ago, whatever it is. I think it's four. Mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. You know, it would have kept me from launching. So for me, and what I recommend to a lot of people, hey, if it'll get you started, don't edit don't worry about editing. Just, mm. you know, ask your questions, recruit your guests, you know, do your monologue, let, you know, let your rant, you know, whatever it is you do and mm. put it down on audio and send it out there into the world and, and go from there. Because, you know, we talk about excuses. We talk about should and should not. A lot of times we talk ourselves into thinking there are things we have to do if we want to be successful. And there's nothing that says we have to do those things, you know, and, yeah, my podcast would be better if it was edited. It would be better if the video was edited. It would probably sell more stuff if I had, you know, the fancy on-screen graphics with, you know, with quotes and reminders of people to go to my website while they're watching. You know, all that stuff would be great. But it wouldn't happen this week. It wouldn't have happened four years ago. I'd still be talking about having a podcast. That's not what I want to do. That's not what I want other people to do. So think about it this way. Is what's holding you back? Whatever it is, is it something you absolutely positively have to do or is it something other people are telling you you have to do? Is it something you feel like other people have done to be successful? Doesn't mean you have to do it. Doesn't mean you have to start out that way. I mean, yeah, everybody says you should start the way you plan to go on, but I'm, I'm one of these people. Um, I have a good friend named Chris Permissus. He's the founder of PodFest from Orlando. And last year, he published a great book called Start Ugly. And I told him when he, when he released it, I said, come on, man, you're stealing my stuff. Because you know? <laughs> I honestly believe that's what we have to do. Because if we wait till we think we're good enough, it ain't never going to happen. You know, if we wait till we can do it the way the top dogs do it, it ain't never going to happen. And I totally believe in doing it today. I really don't like words like tomorrow, next month, or someday. You know, to me, someday is a mythical day we use when we, when we don't want to tell people we're never going to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I just don't like to be that way. So, so it, you know, if you want to be a podcaster and people are telling you you have to edit or that you have to have a mic or that you have to have a sound mixer, tell them, I don't have to have it right this minute. I'm going to go ahead and start, you know, where I am. If, if you want to write a book and you're thinking – Hey, I have to pitch editors and agents and publishers to get my book published. Uh, no, you don't. You know, you can self-publish. You can put you can post parts of some of your chapters on Facebook and Twitter and let people, you know, get accustomed to who you are. And maybe a year or two from now you publish the way everybody else publishes. You know, um, mm. social media, you know, people may be telling you you have to be on like seven different channels. Uh-uh. If you only <laughs> have if you only have the time to be on LinkedIn, then be on LinkedIn, but be all over that LinkedIn, you know? So really, I, it, the most important thing I, I hope to get across is think about the stuff that's holding you back. Are mm -hmm. there things that you really have to do? Are they legitimate 
reasons, roadblocks, whatever you want to If they really have to happen before you can move forward, that's one thing. But if it's just everybody else is doing it this way, everybody says I should do it that way, um, I don't feel like I'd be right if I didn't do it. If that's the answer, then those are excuses. Those are lies. Those are myths. Those are just things that you're allowing to hold you back. And, you know, they talk about when you give your power away to other people, we talk about excuses. That's what you're doing. You know, you are giving your power away to a mythological reason, excuse, whatever you want to call it, that keeps you from doing what you want to do because you can't do it perfectly. You can't do it the way other people are doing. Hey, when I recorded my first video, I recorded it on QuickTime Pro. Half of y'all probably don't know what that is, and the other half are probably cringing in your chairs thinking, no, he didn't do that. <laughs> uh, you know, when I had my first interview without my co-host, I had to figure out Zoom in 24 hours or I would have had to cancel. And so I'm like, mm. oh, am I going to cancel or am I going to you know, try a new platform and maybe I'll screw this up? I'm like, heck no. This guy from, from California is a filmmaker losing his vision, man. I got to talk to that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I got on Zoom and did a test with a, with a friend of mine from, who's a tech expert. And was like, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I'm like, okay, we'll do this. We'll, I'll sit down with a guy, I'll press record, and then I'll press stop, and then we'll put it out there. So, you know, are the things that are holding you back, are they legitimate roadblocks? Are they things that, you know, really would keep you from being a success or are they just things everybody else says you should be doing? Mm, yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving this. I so many gems here. Oh man, this, this is fire right here. And I hope you guys uh, are, are catching this. So let me rephrase. I'm going to enjoy not editing this. And I'm sorry about breaking your show like that, uh, no, buddy, but I no, mean, it just, good. it just seemed like where you, we, where you were, you know, almost like begging me to go when you started talking. So I was like, no, nah, man, we, because that is, it is a big, it is a big thing. A lot of the things that hold us back are, are things right. we've told ourselves that are lies. Right. I, I, but I, um, one thing I, I thought of while, while you were um, schooling me on the whole, I, matter of fact, I think that's brilliant. The, 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 the whole star ugly piece where your homeboy stole your stuff. <laughs> Somebody owe you a check. <laughs> but anyway, um, I've, I come to realize like a lot of people, one thing that really holds them back is, um, is the fear piece, the fear boy. You know, fear what other people think and, and and fear like that just like that's and that I believe is a straight up mental block. So yeah. can you do you got some practical tips on how you handle that and that you well, can share? Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I've learned about fear, especially as a creative person, is is that it never goes away. It's always mm-hmm. hanging out, lurking in the background, ready to pounce, man. It's like a dragon or something, you know. Cause I have published four books, I'm working on my fifth. Every time I have went to send a manuscript off to my editor is like, man, you ain't good enough. What makes you think anybody wants to read your stuff? Mm. And, you know, I have to, I have to basically, you know, talk to myself in order to send it off. Can and, it, still, you know, it still happen? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. And, wow. and I, and, and I honestly believe that if, if you talk to a creative person who will be honest with you, because, you know, you have to realize I am more honest and more authentic than probably 90% of the creative people you're going to talk to. Because I will say stuff 
about myself and my experience that other people would hold back because they would be afraid of what people might think of them if they said it, you know? And that's actually one of the problems I have when I'm coaching people to be great podcast guests is getting them over the fear of sharing things that maybe in their minds would make, wouldn't make them look so good, but in reality would make them more appealing because it would show people that how real and vulnerable they are and, and how much like the person that's watching and listening to them is to that person. So, you know, I, I let a lot of this stuff out. I, I remember a great scene in a, in a John Wayne movie from a long time ago. I think it was Flying Leather Next. There's a young pilot who asked John Wayne, who's like the old dog in the squadron, he's like, and do you still get nervous? And John Wayne said, his character says, you know, kid, if you ever pull that throttle back and you don't get cotton in your throat, it's time to go to the doctor and hand in your wings, you know, because there's something wrong with you. And, and like I say, the people I've talked to who are creative, who are honest, when it comes time to publish or to tell people that they've published, those old, I'm not good enough. Uh, people are going to find out I'm not who they think they are, who they think I am. All that stuff comes back. You just get better at living with it. You know, you don't get over it. It doesn't go away. You just get better at dealing with it through practice. So the more often you can put yourself out there into the world, which I, one of the reasons I love podcasting is it gives you an opportunity to share yourself with the world on a regular basis and become more comfortable with telling your story, which, you know, for an author, a musician, a filmmaker, the most important story you're going to tell is yours. When you're introducing yourself, when you're on a podcast, when you're in a meet and greet, that's the most important story you tell is who the heck is Max Ivan? You know, who is Ronnie? So, uh, yeah, you, you have to get, you have to practice it. And it's only after, you know, doing it over and over again that you will get more comfortable with publishing. But I think that's just one of those things. If more people knew that the fear doesn't ever completely go away, a lot of people wouldn't feel as frustrated about it. They wouldn't think, hey, there's something wrong with me because I still get, I, you know, I still get, what is it? I still sweat under my arms and, you know, have trouble sleeping and, you know, break out in hives, whatever their thing is. You know, mine's, my dealings with fear has never been that drastic. But I mean, it always, Y'all, those, those gremlins, dragons, whatever you want to call them, they always show back up whenever it comes time to, to put a new big thing out into the world. And, you know, like I'm, I'm starting this podcast network where I'm going to help other blind people launch shows or help existing hosts grow their podcasts. All right. I'm going to be responsible for other people's success. That's kind of new to me. That's kind of scary. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to draw on the you know, my past experiences where I've, you know, helped people get booked on podcasts, you know, where I've introduced people for speaking opportunities, where I'm, you know, I've, I've done things to help other people where I've, I've felt responsible for their success, even if I wasn't literally strictly responsible and try to apply that. But, you know, every time you do something new, every time you take on a new challenge, a new opportunity, or whenever you're doing something like, you know, publishing that first book or publishing that ninth book, for most people, and I think for just about everybody, unless they're lying to you, which some, which some of them will do, they're scared, they're nervous, you know, they're shaking in their they're shaking in their high heel pumps, you know. I mean, <laughs> uh, 
it's just another one of those things that most people don't talk about. They don't admit because they're afraid it'll make them look bad. And they're afraid people won't want to buy their books if they do. buy. And maybe, maybe more people would buy my books if I was less honest, you know, maybe I would, maybe I would (laughs) sell more merch on the podcast, you know, but this is, this is who I am. This is how I got where I'm at, where I am. And, you know, it's one of those things, even if I could change, I wouldn't want to at this point. This is, this is what makes me unique. This is what's helped me build a following and a community of friends online and in person. And, you know, really, it's what I teach other people, you know, be your authentic self, show up, let people see you at your best and your worst. And then you build a community. Then you, you know, you build relationships through social media, sometimes through conversations like we're having. And then when one of you needs a, needs a little push or needs to be reassured or needs to have a kick in the backside to remind them that, hey, you're the blind blogger. What the hell is everybody else's excuse? You know, then you, that person will, will be there for you. So, but yeah, it's another one of those lies people tell. Most people are scared every time they press publish and you just get better at dealing with it. And uh, one of the ways you get better at dealing with it is to have supportive friends around who you around you who you can share, you know, excerpts with, or maybe have them beta read your art, your, your book for you, or maybe have them listen to the album for you, you know, which goes back to, you know, having a community, asking for help, accepting help. Uh, and I sincerely believe that to me, a successful conversation like we're having would be if at least one person visited the website and said, Hey, Max, I love something you said, or, hey, Max, you're full of crap, you know, one or the other, you know, just start a conversation. Um, you know, it's it's funny. You know, that's another one of those assumptions. People feel like, you know, if you comment on somebody's social media stuff or if you comment on their blog, you have to be, you know, you have to be nice. You know, you have to say only good things about what they wrote. <clears throat> but some of the most successful online conversations I've ever had started with, me responding to somebody's post and going, you know, this is good, but hey, what about this? Or, you know, I what you said is fine, but I think you're wrong. And, you know, just going from there. And so, uh, you know, that's that's how you become friends. That's how you build relationships online or in person is you be honest with people. Hmm. Even if you don't feel like it, most of the time you let them see who you are, which, you know, kind of goes back to what I was saying about uh, facing those fears of putting your work out into the world, putting yourself out into it. So I don't think I will ever get to the point where I'm not nervous. I honestly believe that very few other people get to that point. And, you know, let's just, let's just put it, you know, on the other foot. When, uh, when you're sitting there in your, in your office editing the latest interview, you still have moments where you're like, Man, this this ain't right yet. This ain't good enough. I need to spend another hour hour editing this before I can put it out in the world. Let people listen to it. Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why I don't edit, man. Because I would get trapped up in that rabbit hole big time. <laughs> that plus I stink at editing, and I'm not, and it takes me a long time to do it. So right. I only edit. I only edit if the internet drops, and I have a big blank space of audio that I have to get rid of. That's the only time I ever edit. Okay. So um, noted. I'm loving this. I'm loving this, Max. I want to I want to thank you. We're approaching like an hour and I want to be respectful uh, of your time. No, no, I, I see, here's here's another thing I'm gonna help you out with is 
Uh-huh. And I, I have no, I have, I have no positive feelings for those people who will make you feel like they're busy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's Saturday afternoon, but I'm doing, you know, I'm doing one of the things that I enjoy doing. We're having a conversation. We're talking about important things. I'm sharing funny mm-hmm. stories. Hopefully people out there are laughing and learning as we're doing this. So, you know, I don't really have anything else scheduled. There's, there's work I could be doing, but it's not as fun as sitting here talking to you for a little while longer. And uh, my problem would be is if I, it would be if I were starting to eat in to the rest of your schedule for the day and causing you a problem. So if you still have questions, feel free to ask them. Um, if you want to wrap up, go ahead and do that. Um, if you want to break this up into two interviews and, and, you know, maybe put somebody else's podcast in between them or something, that's fine with me too. I, I, I have, I teach people how to be great guests. And the first thing I tell people is always think of the host first. So you Mm -hmm. tell me what you want to do next and we'll do it. I would love a part two. I would so love a part two. That is All right, well, put it on, let's put it on the calendar. We'll do that, you know, except. And who knows, maybe we'll get lucky because, um, you know, you live in New York. For some reason, events keep calling me back to New York. So maybe we get to do this in person. We get, we'll get oh, my friend, wow. we'll get my friends, the filmmakers, Anthony and Jason from straight off the canvas to bring their professional cameras out. We, you know, we'll do a, we'll do a whole big thing of, uh, of Ronnie Jackson and putting the good on what's your excuse. That's, that, now does that sound like fun? <laughs> that sounds like a man Disney world trip. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. So, so oh. yeah, we will definitely look forward to it. And uh, I do appreciate your time. I sincerely, I, I, when I said it earlier, I meant it. Without people like you, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to uh, to come to the attention of so many great people to be able to share my story mm-hmm. as the blind blogger. You know, the blindblogger.net or you know, Mister, what's your excuse? And uh, and I really do appreciate you. And I look forward to uh, to. Uh, to talking with you again in the future and, uh, you know, us helping each other continue to grow our podcasts and whatever other, you know, crazy projects that happen to come along. Because for some reason, people keep coming up to me and going, Max, have you ever thought about X? And I'm like, no, I haven't thought about it. But, I, you know, so, you know, that's one of the dangers of being known for, you know, finding solutions and having this whole what what's your excuse or no excuses approach is mm. a lot of times people ask me if I'm going to do stuff and I have to tell them, no, I ain't going to. Um, I, and I, and I have a list just to close with, cause this is funny. I, I tell other hosts, I'm like, okay, I'm not going skydiving. I'm not going swimming with sharks. I'm not going whitewater rafting where there's a chance I might die. You know, bungee jumping is out. Um, I did, I did submit my name to the first, you know, flight out of the space for some reason. Mm. I don't understand why I did that, but, um, I, 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 ha- I, I have no desire to ride roller coasters, but that's been moved off of my ain't going to do list onto I will do it as if one of the theme parks will pay my way because, man, it's expensive to go to the roller coasters anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, just, I'm glad you mentioned that stuff because one question that I ask all of my, all of my guests is, what do you do for fun? I like to leave everything. Uh, I like to be on what, what I call entertainment. So yeah. if you could end this out with what do you do for fun? All right. I've fun. got this. All right. Well, first I want to, I want to finish up on the what's your excuse thing in mm-hmm. my life. And this is what I hope happens with y'all in my life. I've gone from the only thing I know how to be is a carnival to the only thing I know how to do is to sell used rides to uh, man. I can't do that too. Well, maybe I could do that too. 
you know, yeah, I could do that, but does it serve my current my current goals to do that? So I've gone from thinking I couldn't do anything to thinking I could do just about anything. Yeah, there are some limits because of my vision loss, but everybody has some things that there that are limits to them. But I, I hope that you know y'all will see the progression and y'all won't get depressed or overwhelmed and think, you know, Max is this amazing personality that I could never be. Um, I went from being, you know, morbidly obese, failed carnival owner who didn't know where he was going to go next to an online personality who's built a brand. And pretty much anybody can do it as long as they keep moving forward. Now, you ask me what I do for fun. I read. I listen to a lot of radio and television and old-time radio. But the most important thing I do is I sing. And I recently wrote a song. And if, and if it's okay with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out the show by singing a couple verses of it. Is that all right with you? Do your thing, yeah. Let's do it. All right, okay. All right, here we go. And this this goes back to my whole message about asking for help or asking for opportunities. Okay, so all right. If you don't ask, they can't say yeah. They can't help you move or write you a check. They can't walk your dog. Or hug your neck if you don't ask. They can't say yes if you don't ask. They can't say yes. They can't bring you coffee or breakfast in bed. They can't read your thoughts, so don't make them guess. If you don't ask, they can't say yeah. Mm, thank you, thank you. Well, well, thank you for the opportunity and for the applause, even though you had to think about it for a second before you started clapping. I was on mute. I was on mute. You were on mute. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, since I can't see you clapping and you were on mute, I'll just have to, I'll just have to accept that. Um, I told you us creative people are insecure, man. We, you know, we always have to be reminded that we're really good at stuff, you know, so... Um, and uh but but and just you know just so you can follow the way for future use because someday that song's going to be famous uh oh no, no royalties are required okay <laughs> no doubt thank you max so much uh, man. this is a lot of fun i really uh, thank you ronnie i appreciate it it's been fun uh, for me too all right all right um check them out the blonde blogger.net um, I'm pretty sure all the info is up there that you guys may need. Listen, what's your excuse, guys? And that's all we got for you today. Ain't no excuse. Ain't no excuse. Thank you once again, Max. And we're going to chop it up. We're going to do a remix. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Any final words? Um, are we still recording? Yeah, we still record. Okay. I would just say that uh, go out today and find at least one thing you can do to move you closer to your goal. Uh, the smaller, the better, as long as you take some sort of action. And uh, I would love it if y'all would visit the website, theblindblogger.net, and tell me what it was you did. Who knows? Maybe just reading one of my posts or watching one of my videos to remind you that, hey, 
I ain't nothing special. I just keep moving forward. Maybe that would be something that would help. But just take one small action. And oh yeah, as my daddy always said, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. If you don't ask. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another From Hood to Good banger featuring my man Maxwell Ivy. Remember, go check him out, blindblogger.net. One of my takeaways is just get it done. You know, if I could put it in the story format, I would say life is like the Olympics. You know, you don't get no points for style. You you just get you get points for execution. As sweet as you might want it to look, that don't even matter when it comes to the game of life. So thank you, Max. Thank you for dropping that gem. Thank you for sharing this with the From Hood to Good family. Hit us up on IG, From Hood to Good. Tell us your takeaways. That's all I got. Y'all have a blessed one. From Hood to Good.